something that kept coming up for me a lot this morning was um, the real importance and place of, of kindness to ourselves in our practice. Um, sometimes it's a lot easier for us to come up with, we see somebody suffering and it, it speaks to our heart and we can reach out to them. We try to do something kind to alleviate their suffering and we forget that we're like that too. <laughs> we forget that when we suffer, we actually, it's, it's not a split personality, but we can actually talk to ourselves and be kind to ourselves and as if we were that other person. And um, be really gentle with ourselves because there's so many challenges in life. Every day of our lives, we're challenged with something. Often they go very well. Sometimes it's something that uh, affects our, our confidence, um, our, our, our sense of being gathered, centered. And I was, I was recollecting this time, I, uh, there had been a separation with someone that I'd been involved with, and I was really in a lot of ache from that. And um, uh, I was just feeling really isolated and, and uh, lonely. And then a good friend of mine, um, he, he had left his partner to go spend time at one of the monasteries. And, and his partner didn't have the same practice that he did and had called me up and he was just really scared, really depressed, really sad. So in my sadness, I was hearing another person being really broken because he thought, he's going to leave me, he's going to leave me, and he's going to become a monk. <laughs> and um, I really was torn because I'm, I always was so drawn to the monastery, and yet because I was having my own suffering, I was really sensitive to the fact that he was grieving because he was feeling this impending separation even though it hadn't formally been verbalized, you know, you kind of can tell. You can see it coming. And I left. I went to work the next day, and there was a lot of heaviness. And um, after work, I went to the post office, and I had a postcard. <laughs> the timing sometimes of things. I had a postcard from my friend who was in England, and he was going on about how happy he was, and he'd made pecan pies for all the monastics. <laughs> My first reaction was, who the heck does he think he is? He's left his partner, and they're really suffering, and he's having a good time making pies. <laughs> and then it just was really um, a lot of emotion. And what I did wasn't something I actually thought about, but it was really fruitful. I went home, and I thought, wow, you're really this has really gotten to you in a deep way. And I used to keep a... I mean, I haven't lived in my own place in a long time, but it, <laughs> I used to keep a bottle of fancy sparkling juice or sparkling something or other in the refrigerator in case somebody dropped by. And I just, um, I wasn't drinking wine, but I had little wine glasses, and I just went, you know what? You need, to, you need this for yourself right now. And so I pulled out the nice glass, and I pulled out the nice bottle. And, <laughs> and you know, it was just a simple thing, but it actually did make a difference because I was recognizing in myself that I, I needed to lighten up and I needed to do something kind because it was just kind of difficult for me. It was a real painful, painful thing. And, I was, and it was painful in the, in the fact that it was confused because it brought up different emotions for me and they were hard to iron out. And I, I, I think it's really important to recognize that, that um, 
we need to take care of ourselves in that way. We need to figure out what, first you kind of, in like just pausing in the course of our day and, and taking stock of where, what is the tone that I'm feeling? What is the heart tone right now? What's happening? It doesn't matter. It's not from a judgmental way. It's just what's going on so that we're opening to that awareness. And in opening to that awareness, then we're able to be with it. And then we're able to figure out what's going to be a really useful thing for me to do. Not to try to push it away because that never works, but to try to help me move through this in a really skillful way and an informed way. And we have to be very creative because it's not going to be the same thing every time. Um, It's going to be circumstance dependent and location dependent. And, you know, we just have to take all those different things into mind. But, but remembering that we need to be kind to ourselves as well. Um, Because that's what helps us come back again. We just keep talking about coming back and coming back to our sense of groundedness and evenness. And then when things start to go out, we kind of figure out what what can we do to bring them back. Bring them back so that we have a feeling of being present no matter what's going on. That's, that's, um, That's our inner refuge. That we, that ability to do that. That's, that's what we can take refuge in. And we don't want to shove things away. Uh, in the forest tradition in Thailand, their um, teachings are very strong about, like, they would go sit. Thais have a lot of uh, very strong and beliefs that are really put into them as kids, like as threats. If you do that, the ghosts will come and get you. And there's a very strong fear of ghosts. So a lot of the monks would actually go as part of their practice to just learn how to deal with fear. And they would go sit in the charnel ground. And if you, if you read Stillness Flowing, that's Ajahn Chah's biography, there's some great stories of him having some really extreme practice sitting in a charnel ground in it. Um, but the encouragement is always, don't get up, stay with it, stay with it, stay with it until you move through it. And you will move through it because everything shifts, everything changes. And if you've had that experience, which that's another one of my big rah-rah things, is we've had experiences all of our lives where we've moved through something some way or another, maybe not so skillfully sometimes, but um, I know before I ever heard of Buddhism and heard of letting go, I had some experiences where I put something down I just told myself this, you just got to stop worrying about this. And I just kind of moved on with it. And it w- the release was palpable and I still remember it. And it, you know, one of the situations was 30 years ago, but it was still very palpable. And I remember telling a friend afterwards, I don't know, while I was on that trip, I just had, I, I just had this spiritual experience. And I didn't even know what that meant, but that's just how I could express it. And now I know. I have words to put to it. It was a, it was an act of, of actually really letting go, really putting it down and moving on. And those are very powerful experiences for us because as we learn to do that, um, we realize our strengths and we realize our ability. It's almost an innate ability to actually stay with things and be with them, even as challenging and as difficult as they may seem. Um, 
I just always say it, human beings are incredibly resilient and we can mess ourselves up by trying to shove it aside, uh, deny it, whatever we do to try to get away from it. But if you can just be with it and acknowledge it and just give it a little space and learn to do that, sitting on a cushion is preparation for that because you have to sometimes sit through some pretty awful mind states. Restlessness can be really disconcerting. Uh, my early days of meditation, I remember sitting at Amaravati in England, and <clears throat> I just had a really active mind, and I was just learning how to meditate, and I was at this monastery. And I remember sitting in the morning meditation, and I was just really restless, and the mind just really latched onto this They've extended the time. I know they've extended the time. Why have they extended the time? Are they trying to get us ready for the winter? Why are they? Why don't they? And I, I actually in my head, my, I had this visualization of myself getting up and running, screaming out of the room, and it was so loud in my head that I remember opening my eyes and looking to see if I'd actually made any sound, but everybody else was. <laughs> <laughs> And so yeah, that doesn't really happen anymore, <laughs> thank goodness. But um, just kept sitting through it, sitting through it. And many times during that winter retreat, which was a real challenge for me because I was helping out for that retreat, this voice just kept saying, you just got to get the heck out of Dodge. <laughs> but then this other voice would say, yeah, but where are you going to go? <laughs> so, um, yeah, we just have to move through those things and... And the fact that I've been meditating for many years doesn't mean that I don't have restlessness and I don't experience sometimes thinking that the thought might come up, wow, this has been a really long meditation. It should be over about now. (laughs) But it's kind of like, okay, there's there's that little voice again, and you just kind of learn to recognize these things um, and and stay with them and not let them them grab hold of you. Yesterday, there was a... Is it Christine? Yeah. Kristen? Chris, no. Oh, Christine. Yeah. Christine, Christine, yeah. We were talking about irritation. And um, I was thinking afterwards, after we talked about that, it's like, what I didn't say is, um, I've, I've read lots of just small, pithy teachings from some of these masters that have been meditating for a long time and obviously have really developed their their ability for clarity and putting things down. And they just don't get affected by things very much. And one of them, they asked him, um, like, do you still get, do you feel anger? And he says, I see it, but I don't pick it up. They say that a lot. They see it, but they don't pick it up. It's just like that cloud moves through. And that clarity, they see that cloud move through, but there's nothing that, there's no response needed to it because it just, they just let it pass through. So in a way, they're still seeing that there may, maybe there's irritation, but it's not irritating, if you know what I mean. So I, um, I think that um, I love reading those pithy things because they're very powerful reflections, and I find them really supportive. Just so, just reminding ourselves that we can stay with things and the things, not not at the point where we want to. Like sometimes we feel that sadness, and to actually keep going over the story and keep feeding it, and you see it brings up more sadness. That's a good clue that you're probably not handling it the best way because you're, you're, you're feeding it, you're feeding that demon. But if you're with it and you're kind to yourself and you just 
sometimes you do have to talk to yourself inside and just say, it's okay. Um, I can be with this. It's not pleasant. Recognize that. And honesty is really important. It's not pleasant. I don't really want to be this way, but this is what's going on for right now. And then you can think, okay, well, what might be a useful antidote? Something that's supportive, that helps me stay with it, that's being kind to myself. Just like you might do for a young child who is suffering, or your friend, your best friend. Um, and then in that situation, you, you, you can kind of think, like for me, it was just, I don't know why it came up. It just was like, go open that bottle, get a nice glass, sit down, make yourself comfortable, and you deserve this too. You don't have to save it for when if somebody comes to visit. You can do it right now. And so it just depends, again, where we are. Um, I always feel like this practice calls on our creative genius, <laughs> and we all have it, <laughs> for us to figure out what, what is actually going to be useful in the moment that we're distressed or that we're sinking or that we're just restless and we can't focus. I was talking to somebody recently, and, and he said for him, he's, he's realized, like, sometimes he just is so scattered, people come to him to talk to him about things because he's involved in some AA programs, and people will come to talk to him, and he finds that he can't stay focused for some reason. And he's decided that what he's going to start doing is just saying out loud, oh, excuse me for a minute, I just, I lost the thread there, I, I lost my attention, can we go back to that? And that's a reminder for him, but it's also letting that person know, I want to stay with you, even if even if you saw the blank look in my eyes for a moment there. <laughs> um, so just thinking up different ways that that are useful to help us stay on track, to stay clear, um, <clears throat> to keep us from falling into the familiar habits that we that we slip into so readily that really are not very instructive or constructive for us getting through the day, getting through the moment. But we have to recognize them first. And um, it just really is mind-boggling to me how often we don't think of ourselves until the very last. Um, that's the last, last place we actually think about extending our kindness. And it's not selfish. <laughs> I um, it's kind of like mindfulness, you know. We're, we're mindful and we, we pay attention and it really benefits us, but in benefiting ourselves, we benefit others because we're more present to the situations that are happening. And that's huge for the world. It's a huge gift for the world. It's not very common and it's not... <clears throat> people aren't encouraged to do that. They're encouraged... In a consumer in society, we're encouraged to consume. And um, so offering that, that place of presence and that willingness to be present is a huge thing. But we need to do that. We need to be willing to be present for ourselves as well. There's different ways. Like, um, you know, we, we could call that metta, but it's also bringing an element of compassion in. So the kindness is metta. But compassion and just understanding that we have these needs as well. And for me, metta was very challenging, actually. <laughs> but compassion was something I could relate to. And so I always felt like my metta started becoming more authentic when I, I stuck with compa compassion for a while and allowed myself 
to really see my suffering and the suffering of others and to have that sense of, um, it's not quite empathy because you're not going, oh, but it's just realizing. I think it's just that realization of the suffering that others go through, that it's really similar to the suffering I feel. And then you, in feeling that compassion and that ability to, to really see that, then I could actually feel the kindness start developing. And um, I remember I was, um, I went on a self-retreat within days of, of 9-11 happening. And that was pretty ghastly for anybody who remembers that. <laughs> we don't have TV, so fortunately we, we weren't bombarded by news all day. But it was a pretty shocking thing. And the night before that happened, we'd had an all-night sitting, and some people were there, and we'd had a discussion at tea time. And what had come up was the, was Dresden in Germany, and it was pretty much a bomb, like, it was just decimation of that town and all the people in it. And Americans were involved in that. We were kind of discussing this, this group comma, which I can't really say too much about, but it was just interesting that we had that discussion. And then the next day, I think we found out because my, my boss called and said, did you hear the news? And it's kind of, of course we didn't because we didn't listen to the news. Um, but I went on my self-retreat and I was actually really surprised and grateful because what came up, I wasn't angry. It wasn't fear. There was a lot of sadness. Um, but I also felt a lot of metta. I felt a lot of kindness for all the people that were suffering. I just felt, um, and I even felt metta for the people behind it, you know, because they know not what they do. <laughs> you know, they think they do, but perhaps they don't. Um, and that was surprising to me because I didn't anticipate that. Um, so this practice, it does hold surprises. So we keep working with stuff and, and the fruits are there. We may not always see them on demand, but I've always found that um, that they're there if I'm patient and give them time. Usually, because of because of what we put in, those resources are there. They're there for us to to call up on. So we're putting in our intention to to develop kindness for other people, our intention to be more compassionate, um, our intention to take joy in the, in the good things that happen to other people, even if they're not happening to us. Are, um, and even noticing moments when there's actually equanimity. Um, things like that. Just recognizing them. We keep studying and we keep working with them in whatever way works for us. And um, they get in there. And then, they're, then when we need them, we've, we've got, they're there somewhere. And the power of memory can be very good for that kind of thing. I remember leaving England and <clears throat> I'd come to um, meditation and Buddhism while I'd been traveling in Asia. And I was from Asia. I went to England and lived there for a year and spent about 10 months at the monasteries because I, I'd had such a pro profound experience in my first retreat, but it was so profound I couldn't figure out what happened <laughs> and I didn't really understand what happened and so I was fortunate enough that I was already going to England to see a friend and I uh, got hooked up with the monasteries of the, the Ajahn Chah tradition in England and over time I started to understand what it was that happened what I what had affected me and it and um 
And then I had an opportunity to also start to develop my own sense of, of a practice, like how to start establishing some of these qualities and how to start reflecting on things and how to start taking these t- teachings to heart. I was fortunate because I got to hear many different teachers. I got to hear, because it was uh, during the period in Theravada Buddhism that they call the Vasa or the Pansa. So it's in India, it's the time of the monsoons. And at the Buddhist time, they set up some rules around that period of time because that's when the heavy rains happened and there were a lot of creatures coming up out of the soil that could be stepped on. And uh, <clears throat> they made rules that they had to stay in one place for this three-month period, which is generally, we celebrated the full moon of July until the full moon of October, roughly like that. And, um, and so during this special period is when I was in England and even though there's no monsoons in England at that time, or in America for that matter, we still that's still the monks' rules to observe that. And so in England what they were doing is they were having the different nuns give different teachings at different times, and um, different monks were giving talks, and I just felt like I hit the jackpot because I got to hear so many different voices, and they were all pointing to the same thing, but the, but the presentation was so different based on the different individuals. And it was really, really helpful for me to develop a better sense of <clears throat> strength in my own practice. And when it was time to go back to America, I, I wept because I was so sad to be leaving what I felt of as community, but I also knew that it was the right thing. And I knew that I, could, I, knew that I had a foundation, at least, that I could draw from. And the teachers, one thing that they always taught us was you don't have to write down talks. You don't have to, you know, if, you write, if you're writing down while people are talking, you're likely missing something because you're still back on what you're trying to write down. <clears throat> when you need it, it, the essence of that talk, if you're really listening, will be there for you. So, and I've found that to be extremely true. And I, I think that's what prompted me to go be really kind to myself is somewhere in there. I had to listen to so many talks, and um, that that's that's what was nourishing that intention. So I think that um, we we do have to find our own ways of how how to be with these things, how to work with these things, uh, who to listen to, what to read, but um, and of course groups, the groups that we practice with, like on a day like this, or coming to a study session or something, those are invaluable as well. Because we're, we're real, it's really important to, to know that there's others who have like minds who are on the same path. And um, I've found this with non-Buddhist things, that um, <clears throat> often when what you're, we're with a couple people and one person's starting to get dragged down, the other person is actually up here. And they can make you laugh, and that brings you up here. And then vice versa, that can happen. Um, when I was a wilderness ranger, this, is, this isn't a Buddhist situation, but I found it was really made me laugh. Um, a friend and I, they, they wanted, I was working out of Weaverville, California, <laughs> and um, they wanted two of the people on the wilderness patrol crew to, to be in the 4th of July parade. And, of course, none of us were there because we wanted to be in parades. We were there because we wanted to be out in the wilderness. <laughs> and so somehow my friend Joy and I got convinced that we would do it. And we had to, oh my gosh, we had to wear our uniforms and our backpacks and we had to carry this sign between us. And um, 
<clears throat> and it was kind of 4th of July and Weaverville can be pretty warm. And I remember walking down the street and there'd be times when, and somebody had given us candy and they were telling us throw candy. <laughs> and, um, and I just remember there were times when for myself, I was just kind of like, oh my gosh, what are we doing here? How did they talk me into this? And then I'd look over at Joy and she'd just be laughing because it was just so ridiculous. And then I would start laughing. So we really, in, in these awkward situations, and that's a pretty light situation, but, but really a lot of situations we find ourselves in that we take and we can really sink because it's not where we want to be. We really can find the place where we can laugh and find the humor in it. Uh, and friends can help us do that. And we can help friends do that. So our friends are of utmost importance in our support systems. Um, <clears throat> but remembering... Remembering to do, I mean, obviously you're all here. Something brought you here today on a Saturday. For a lot of people, Saturday is the day when they can accomplish the things they can't do during a work week. Or this is time to be with family. But this is something that I would guess people are just doing because they know it's a useful thing for themselves to do. It's really useful for me to sit with a group of people and have a quiet day and... Um, spend time reflecting about the different teachings that are available to us. And uh, I just find it really useful. So I'm, I'm guessing that that would be true for all of you. So that's an act of kindness that you've taken for yourself to take the time to, to really find the space, work with your families, work with whoever it is you have to work with to make this time available. Um, and that's a really positive thing because I think it, if you look at how it makes you feel about yourself and look at it at the end of the day, how does it make you feel? And, and acknowledge that. Because usually, uh, whenever I'd go up to the monastery on the weekends when I was still living at home, it'd be really hard. I had a lot of fear going there. And um, I think it was a kind of a fear of giving up who I felt I was, you know, at some level. I mean, that's pretty coarse description. But I really literally would go every weekend up to Abayagiri before I lived there. And as soon as I got to the exit from the freeway, I would start having deep uh, palpitations of my heart, and I'd almost break out in a sweat. And then what would happen is I'd get there, and and then when it was time to leave on Sunday, I would I started leaving later and later and later because <laughs> I just didn't want to leave. <laughs> so it's kind of sometimes it's a little bit scary to do this because it um, points us in a direction of being honest about ourselves, being honest with ourselves and seeing things that we might have a hard time actually finding the willingness to see. But in the end, you get there and you do it, and the relief is there and the joy is there. And I'd feel so happy when I left once I got myself in the car to go. Um, <clears throat> and then even if I had those heart palpitations, I would still find myself leaving work earlier and earlier on Friday <laughs> to get up there sooner. And then... And then I found myself moving up there. So, you know, it's just, um, I think we really do want to take care of ourselves and do what brings us peace and joy, but sometimes we forget how to do that. And we forget the things that are important to keep us on that, on track with that. And they're not selfish things because they're things that, that benefit us as people, help us develop more skillful, more wholesome ways of living. And 
our main reason is to develop those skills in ourselves. But I've always felt that if a byproduct is that somebody else benefits from that, then that's that's a good thing. <laughs> um, and so, I, yeah, just that encouragement to really remember to keep doing what supports you, what supports you in developing this practice, uh, being with friends, sitting in silence with the people who can understand that silence is a good place to be sometimes. Sometimes it's the only place to be. Words can never quite make it fully. Um, yeah, just a few words of encouragement um, for something that I, I, I found in myself to be really useful and really important. And we all have such harsh inner critics at time, at times, and and that's a good thing to recognize because we can, if we recognize it, we can learn to put it down and be a little bit gentler and, and turn it around and see see the side that actually um, is positive and, and is looking towards the brighter side of things and the more developmental side of our practice. I think I'll leave there and thank you. <laughs>